Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Hallowed Ground, the Sports Museum podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Stockman. With football season upon us, I'll be speaking with Beth Atlas, senior manager and curator at the 49ers Museum in Santa Clara, California. The 49ers did not have a museum prior to when Levi Stadium opened in 2014, and it's certainly become a welcome addition to the Niners' beautiful home stadium. I met Beth at the 2019 International Sports Heritage Association Conference and was excited to chat with her about football, especially since the 2021 NFL season kicked off this week. The Niners' home opener is September 26th against the Packers, who also have an in-stadium Hall of Fame and museum. Following my conversation with Beth, I'll be talking about legendary Niners head coach Bill Walsh in this episode's overtime segment. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, today on Hallowed Ground, I'm speaking to Beth Atlas, Senior Manager and Curator at the 49ers Museum in California. Beth, how are you? Doing well. How about yourself? Doing awesome. I figured we could start out with your background because I know that you started as an intern with the 49ers right around the time that Levi Stadium was being constructed. But did you always know that you wanted to work in history and museums? Yeah, I think uh, when I switched to a history major, I think that was going to be my end goal is to end up um, in a museum uh, more so after I started my master's program for library and information science. I started out in athletic training, actually, so I, I always wanted to end up in sports. So I think that ending up at a sports museum is very uh, serendipitous for me. And I think ending up at the museum for my one of my favorite sports teams this is even better. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because you mentioned just now that the 49ers were one of your favorite teams. And I was curious about that because like as a museum, it should be somewhat objective and tell the facts and tell the history. But then it's also like for fans and for just people to come in and, and, and see. But then if you as a staff member are a fan yourself, does that make it more meaningful? Or just, can you just kind of talk about that that balance of being a fan, but then you have to be pretty objective sometimes too. Yeah, I think I, I definitely grew up a fan. Um, and, and there's a, a couple of us in the front office who grew up in the Bay Area or as 49ers fans. And so that definitely plays a part in our, our passion for the 49ers and the work we do. Um, but I think it's also looking at, uh, you know, like what the organization wants to accomplish. And that's, um, you know, winning on the football field and also creating memorable experiences, you know, that we do in the museum or just a fantastic experience for guests. Yeah. And there's certainly a lot of types of experiences at the museum. I was doing some research on your all's website and it's a large museum with a lot of aspects to it, very interactive. So when you came on, it sounded like it was just very in the creation stage. And so can you kind of talk about that process and how it kind of just became the 49ers Museum when Levi Stadium was built? What was that process like? Yes. Yeah, so when I started in February 2013, um, the museum was very conceptual in that it was on paper. A lot of the initial design had already been um, confirmed um, and like plans are being put in place for, you know, how to, how to populate the space with AV and artifacts and other special elements. I know that when ownership was looking for stadiums, they toured around the country and noticed that um, a couple other venues had built museums within their stadium space, mainly uh, the Green Bay Packers and the uh, New England Patriots. And so that was something um, they wanted to incorporate into the new stadium design. So really, we started as a place for the a physical home for the Edward J. DeBartolo Senior 49ers Hall of Fame, uh, which had been established in 2009, um, and also an education program um, as ownership. Uh, the York family has always been um, very invested in giving back to the community especially through um, school and education programs. And so from there, it evolved into the 20,000 square foot 11 gallery venue that we are today. 
and even our, our education program has, has kind of slightly outgrown the museum, um, but we still work very closely with them uh, to provide that experience for Bay Area schools. That would have been a cool time to start out as an intern and kind of see it from the ground up. And then what was it like to have fans first experience the museum when it opened? Uh, it was very busy. Uh, we opened our August 8th was our first open to the public day. And at the time, we were also running a full day of stadium tours. Um, and many people opted for the uh, stadium tour museum package. So either before or after their tour, they'd come through uh, the museum. And so we were just getting, you know, groups of 50 people at our front door every hour or so. So we had lots of people coming through. You know, it was it was very new to us and it was new to them um, since the 49ers didn't have any kind of physical museum beforehand. And even uh, like locally, there aren't very many dedicated sports museums um, of this caliber. So we're, we're truly a unique experience for folks. And I think we were we were well received um, and we still continue to get folks coming through, especially on game days. Um, and like our, our first time visitors are always very wowed by what they see. Yeah, you mentioned the Packers and Patriots have museums as well. I've talked to their um, staff for the podcast too. And something that they mentioned was how opposing fans kind of comment on the museum and they come through on game days. And so that seems like a, a really cool thing because it is a 49ers museum, but the 49ers have been such a rich franchise as far as the NFL goes that, that it touches pretty much every other franchise and it just celebrates football. So what kind of feedback do you get from opposing fans and what are their, what are their comments when they, when they come visit? Yeah. I mean, everyone's really respectful when they come through. Um, I always like when we get, you know, like couples or groups where one or a few are 49ers fans and the others are the opposing team fans um, and they're coming to experience it together. Um, you know, give each other a little bit of a light ribbing based on old rivalries. Mm -hmm. and, and they say it's great. I mean, they recognize that it's a, that we're a football museum. We're just very heavily favored towards the 49ers. Um, but as you said, we have um, a very rich history. We're celebrating our 75th anniversary as a team this year, uh, the oldest original franchise on the West Coast. Um, and also, you know, a lot of the success of the team, especially in the 1980s and 90s under Bill Walsh and George Seifert, um, and just the impact that they and you know a lot of our, our players have had on the game itself. I wanted to bring up one of those players from the, the 80s. Joe Montana kind of is what got my mom into football. She was never a big um, football fan growing up. But then when mm -hmm. Joe Montana came to the Chiefs, she saw kind of his um, comeback magic that um, he had with the 49ers too. So I'm sure he celebrated at the museum and Hall of Fame. So what impact does Joe Montana and Bill Walsh and that kind of golden era have on the museum? I'm sure that's a big part of it. You know, I think they really put the 49ers on the map. I think um, even we've existed since 1946 and we had a lot of um, really notable players and, and even you know, like division and championships um, from the 1950s, 60s and 70s. A lot of really great Hall of Famers, you know, the women's in there. You know, winning winning a Super Bowl really puts you on display in the entire world. Um, and then winning four more in such a short amount of time just really solidifies your place in history. Um, and I think with the 49ers, just because they saw so much success in those days, they were on everybody's mind because we have fans from all over the country and all over the world who said their first their first game was a Super Bowl that the 49ers won when they immediately became a fan um, or even like folks from the Bay Area remember watching as a child with their families and then continuing on their fandom as they uh, become adults and have their own kids. A lot of intergenerational fans around here, as I'm sure all over the place yeah that's certainly how i became a sports fan was my my parents are 
big baseball and football fans. And just that's how it, that's how it happens for a lot of folks where it is familial and that certainly at football games, families coming by and you all do a lot with kids too. I know the, like the steam programming and education, that's a big part of the museum and just the, the separate room and initiatives that the education department does, but even, even inside the museum, it's very interactive and a lot of education curriculum even behind that. So what kind of education does the museum have, even if it's not for a specific school group? Yeah, I'll just talk really quick about our 49ers EDU program. Um, the main One of the main components of that is a field trip program that we would run during the school year. Teachers would schedule their classes to come on a specific day where they would come on to the stadium for a four-part day, which includes um, a stadium tour, a museum tour, a STEAM lesson in one of our two um, state-of-the-art classrooms, as well as like a, a physical education component to really give them a very well-rounded experience. Um, and so when they're in the museum, you know, it really just depends on the grade level of the group coming through and sort of like what the teacher wants to focus on. But I know a lot of what they do, talking about um, artwork, like our, our Hall of Fame statues are very unique pieces of art. So they talk about the design build process there, or they talk about goal setting. Um, and, you know, like talking about someone like Jerry Rice, who started out, he worked with his father was a bricklayer and Jerry and his siblings would work with the father in the summer, like catching bricks as their father worked along with them. And then that's sort of how Jerry, you know, developed, started to develop his skills and just um, all of the hard work he put in to really succeed in his chosen field. Yeah, that's a cool story. I think I'd heard that before maybe, but it's really cool to tell those stories to kids and then have them experience that with their parents or their school group. And they maybe even like bring their parents back if they went with a group from school. I've heard other museums where like the kids are so excited that they want to bring their parents back to the museum and show them kind of what they learned. Does that happen a lot? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time we get, obviously, most of the groups have chaperones come through. And so a lot of the times the, the parent chaperones will come in their 49ers gear, like just excited to be on the field trip as their student. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really cool, like even for the kids who come who aren't 49ers fans, I think they still take away a lot just with everything they, they experience here. Um, and we always hope that every kid has some kind of takeaway that they can go back and share with their family and friends. Yeah, that's definitely important for kids to learn, but then have fun too. And there's a lot of interactivity in the museum with the, uh, in the game exhibit and there's cool, like motion effects to it. So how does that, how does that work? What does that exhibit look like? Yeah. Our in the game, um, is like the, the lower level portion of our, um, of our museum. And it shares the floor with the, uh, Denise de Bartoli York classroom, which is the main part of our education program. And I always like to tell our guests that it was designed for kids, but enjoyed by everyone of all ages. Uh, so you mentioned our, um, our motion capture interactives where you are, you know, the, the controller. Um, we have a couple of cool things there. Like you can learn one of the Gold Rush um, cheerleader dances or design your own uniform or like learn how to do a touchdown dance. And that's just really a way to get kids engaged and, you know, be creative and a little bit silly um, and just really celebrate like some of those more fun aspects of football and the 49ers. Yeah. Who doesn't want to do a touchdown dance on a field trip and get to yeah. get to play. So <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And something else they'll see at the museum is a recreation of Bill Walsh's office. Is that right? Yes. That's a really cool um, exhibit. One of our signature galleries to backtrack a little bit. 49ers uh, had their headquarters in Redwood city, which is about 20 miles North of where we are here in Santa Clara now. And so Bill Walsh had his office there, obviously where the team came to do their training and all the businesses were for housing out of there as well and that building stood up until this year well, the team moved from that redwood city facility down here to santa clara in 1988 um, and been here ever since 
uh, but the building stayed it belonged to the Redwood City and it actually just recently um, has been demolished uh, to make room for another building that's going to serve as sort of a very community oriented building for folks. But we were invited uh, to go up there and, you know, see if there's still any leftovers from um, the 49ers days there. And uh, one of the things we wanted to look at was the office that Bill Walsh had occupied, um, the wood paneling on the wall and the brown shag carpeting was the same and we'd actually previously been up there to take photos of it for recreation in our museum exhibit but this time we were able to go up and pull the carpet and we cut right into the spot where the order form was underneath the carpet and it was purchased in uh, February of 1979 which is about a month after Walsh uh, was named head coach of the 49ers so it was very a very cool confirmation that we you know got the decor right in our office recreation for Bill Walsh. And so now we have another another piece artifact to add to our collection. Yeah, that's neat. When I talked to Justine from the Packers Hall of Fame, she talked about the mm-hmm. uh, Vince Lombardi office. So that's two of the best head coaches of all time. And their their offices are preserved as best they can for fans to look at and kind of experience. I think that's really cool to have it down to the carpet and the paneling on the walls. And what does that add to the museum experience when it can be like as it actually was back in the day? Uh, I think it's a very, you know, three-dimensional experience um, to see the space set up. Right. Um, we were very fortunate uh, to work with the Welsh family to help populate the office with actual um, artifacts that Bill himself used. Um, and even some of the furniture uh, was still in the possession of the team just from when Walsh was head coach. And then he came back as uh, general manager later in the 90s. Having having things like his playbooks there and his pen, and his coffee cup are just very tangible connections to who Bill Walsh was. And then the other big piece in that gallery, big pieces, are a, um, a film that has his players and colleagues speaking about the kind of man Bill was, uh, not just on the football field, but sort of the the level of inspiration um, that he gave to those who worked with him and for him. We also have an interactive exhibit, what we call the Bill Walsh Coaching Universe. Um, A lot of times they're filled to as coaching trees, but it's really just to see the progression of Bill Walsh's staff members who went on to become head coaches in the NFL um, and in uh, Division I NCAA football. And then folks on those staff who became head coaches themselves and just how it goes on and on and on. And we actually came a little bit um, of a full circle completion with our current head coach, Kyle Shanahan, um, is a member of that tree uh, through a number of ways, including his uh, being on his father's staff. Yeah, that's cool because you hear Bill Walsh coaching tree all the time, but then it really is a universe when it, mm-hmm. it takes into consideration all of the people and the generations with the Shanahan family and yeah, probably dozens, if not hundreds of people are on that list and impacted by that. So that's really neat that you can make an exhibit and kind of preserve Bill's legacy that way. Yeah. And I think one of the other ways his legacy persists is the um, Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship uh, that he started in the 1980s to give um, minority and another less represented folks a chance to get their start in coaching in the the league. Um, And I, I think one of the most compelling things from that is that um, it still exists in the NFL and is participated in by all 32 clubs. Yeah, that's a huge legacy that he left behind. I was going to ask about diversity because I noticed that during the pandemic and even now you're talking about diversity and inclusion in the 49ers in a, a written format with some long form articles that looked really interesting about like uh, minority players that the 49ers have had and then some like female front office executives. So how cool was that to be able to tell those stories that maybe haven't been told before? Yeah, I think in that um, that first series where we just talk about instances of diversity and equity on the team, um, all of those stories were already represented in the museum. 
uh, just not to their um, full um, potential. So I think uh, doing those articles, we, we delve deeper into those stories, um, like with Bali Onamina, who's the first um, player of Japanese descent to play professional football, um, is a story we really like to tell. Um, and when you mentioned like our women in the front office, the 49ers have a long history of female ownership, beginning with the Morabito wives um, in 1957 and 1964. Um, they each received their um, husband's, respective husband's share of the team um, when their husbands passed away. Um, and up until uh, the 1977, when the DeBartolos purchased the team um, and our current co-chair person, Denise DeBartolo-York, has always you know, played a part in managing the team and even um, managing her own projects like um, when she was president of the Pittsburgh Penguins in the NHL. So that's a, a fact we're very proud of. And we wanted to further highlight it for our folks who might not know the entire story there. Yeah, that's really important to tell those stories. And there's a lot of stories with the 49ers. And that's something I wanted to ask about, too, is that it is a 75 year history and it's very just packed with championships and Super Bowls and Hall of Famers and some of the most elite players of all time, like Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, uh, Bill Walsh was a coach too. So does that make it harder as a museum to fit all that into a space or does it make it easier in some ways too, because people kind of already know some of the famous figures? I think it's both. Um, since I know folks expect to, you know, have those big names coming through, see them featured here, which they most certainly are, but it also, you know, takes up space, um, and not in a bad way, but, but there's also other stories to tell for other, other players. And so we want to make sure that everybody is as represented, um, as we can in a limited space. Right. So I guess it's a little bit more challenging, um, and probably a good problem to have if you have a lot of history and a lot of Definitely. success. But I yeah. mean, it's it's really a team sport. And so even though there are those standout players, you know, there's at least on the roster now, there's 52 other guys who are who are making contribution in addition to all the football, football coaching staff and support staff and even the business office. So wherever we can tell those, you know, lesser known stories, we take that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Because there's been thousands of players, I'm sure, and coaches and support staff. And it's great to have those stories too. And are they able to come to the museum themselves? Do you all have former players that come through or coaches or staff that have uh, seen the museum? Yes. You know, usually when we host an alumni weekend, um, especially since the stadium opened and the museum opened and we have more space, um, we've given them uh, part of their weekend schedule includes a trip to the museum, you know, or if they're coming into town with their families, there is pretty much an open invitation for all of our 49ers alumni to come through um, and see the space since they, they helped build it. Um, I don't think we would have had much to do if they hadn't made such great contributions on the field. So we just want to pay it back in kind. Um, and I think it's always, it's always really special when we can have alumni come through yeah. um, and then they can remember their great moments. Um, and also, you know, family members from our, our older teams, um, maybe like their fathers and grandfathers when they can come in and see their, their family member represented. It's always very special. I bet. I wanted to also ask about the signature film in the museum. It sounds like it's really well done and very impactful. And the 49ers have that rich history too. So how was that created? And what do people think of the signature film at the museum? I mean, people are always very wowed by it. I know I'm always, I always get chills watching it, even though I've seen it thousands of times. And we really, um, the way our space is designed is um, we would, we would want our folks to come into the lobby, you know, purchase their tickets, see a couple of our, our trending artifacts and you know what's happening with the team today and then go into the theater and see this um you know 18 minute piece specially produced for our museum that tells the 49ers story 
in a very emotionally charged way. Um, and we get a lot of great feedback on that film. People come in and say like, oh, I just really want to watch the film. Like my friend said, it was amazing. And so I think just to have that component you know, be our, our starting point. Um, we also like to show it to recently onboarded staff members. Um, if they can only see one thing in the museum, we make sure it's that. Um, and I think just the way that people have respond to uh, media and, and film and just the audiovisual components um, and, you know, the music is specifically timed to, to get you to feel what the producers want you to feel. It's, it's a very special Thing that we have that we can offer our guests yeah it sounds really cool i makes me want to go visit santa clara and go see it myself yeah definitely that's Come on uh up. yeah that'd be a, a fun trip to do i haven't been out on the west coast much i'll have to do that sometime as we wrap up here beth i wanted to ask about the virtual two or two that's another multimedia thing that maybe during covid that was something that it really has been more to the forefront is those virtual aspects of the museum. And I know the virtual tour is really well done. I was super impressed with that when I was doing some research. So what went into that and how has that kind of impacted your virtual presence as a museum? Yeah, I mean, the virtual tour um, is definitely something that we uh, kind of pushed to the front during our closure since we didn't know when we would be able to welcome, welcome guests in here physically. And so I think being able to go in um, and get a 360 degree camera in there to capture every aspect of our building um, and every single gallery. Um, and then to put that online with some enhanced features um, to give folks, you know, some of like our highlights of, of the museum has been sort of a blessing in disguise. Um, since we, again, haven't been able to open our doors, we can still bring the museum to people. And I think that for fans who might not be able to travel to Santa Clara and visit us anytime soon, um, this is gonna be a way, another way for them to connect uh, to the team, to have, the, have very similar experiences and still see everything there is to see about the 49ers. Do you have a favorite story that you would want to share about maybe a school group or one of those alumni weekends or anything that really sticks out with you still? Uh, yeah, I'll just say uh, a little bit before we um, opened the building, uh, everything was ready to go. Like the Hall of Fame was set and lit and ready. And we had uh, the family of one of our Hall of Famers who had, um, had since passed away. And so bringing them through um, and, you know, the the daughter of this hall of famer was I'm not proud that i made her cry but she she teared up at the sight of her her father's statue and i think just to kind of make that very personal connection for someone um you know you just get a little bit of joy out of it just kind of helping them see like what a, an impact their family member had on this franchise and like why it's here mm -hmm. whenever someone has or finds that emotional connection to the team um while they're in the museum I think that's always a happy moment for us because that's what we're trying to do is, you know, create memories for folks, but also um, help them, you know, remember the good ones. Yeah, there's a lot of good memories to look back on with the 49ers. And there's also good stuff for the future, too. So they have a good team. They've been in the Super Bowl recently. So what kind of things does the museum currently do with the current team and current 49ers that folks may see when they come to the museum? Yeah, I mean, um, as much as we, you know, focus on where the 49ers have been, we also want to help point the way to where the 49ers are going. Right. So, you know, in season, we like to celebrate the very recent accomplishments of the team or a training gallery in our lobby. We have two monitors where we can play like highlights from recent games. We have a more interchangeable wall for artifact displays. So, you know, if, if someone has recently broken a record or made a fantastic play, um, we can put, you know, their their helmet, their jersey something they might not need the following week, uh, we can put it on display as that like instant connection to 49ers history that just occurred. So really just being a place to to celebrate the current team. And then you can go back and, and celebrate all the other great moments of our history 
is pretty special. And I will say um, a lot of our business comes on game days. Um, we're only open pregame um, in that sort of three hour window before kickoff um, where fans can come in and they get really pumped up for the game that's about to occur. So I think um, being that sort of starting point for someone's game day experience is also very special. Yeah, I haven't been to too many NFL games, but I know they're a really fun experience. And if the museum can start that off and kind of kick off their game day, that's pretty, it's pretty neat. Is it sort of like a, a potential of what, what could happen at this game? Like you never know, um, especially when we, when we had our first playoff yeah. games here at Levi's, like you never know when the next great play is going to happen when that next amazing touchdown that's going to be on the NFL's top 100 all-time play list um, is going to occur. And so I think just that potential for greatness is what we like to um, celebrate here at the museum and get our fans to help celebrate too. That's one of the best things about sports. That's awesome. So as we wind down here, Beth, I'd love for you to talk about where people can find the museum, whether online or in person in Santa Clara. Yeah. So we are located inside Levi Stadium here in Santa Clara, California. We're right next to uh, very near the San Jose airport, um, about 50 miles south of San Francisco. So really, um, when you hear the term Silicon Valley, that's where we are. More specifically, um, our building is accessible from the street level here. So we, um, we open to the public outside of, or on game days and as well as outside of game days. Best way to find the most up-to-date information on the museum is to visit our website at levistadium.com slash museum. Um, our social presence is through the Levi Stadium and 49er social media accounts. So if you go to your, your favorite social media website or all of them um, and just hit follow on Levi Stadium and 49ers, um, you'll get all of our up-to-date information as well and some cool new content. Yeah, I'm sure more content's coming too with football season about to start and um, the museum reopening. So good luck with that, Beth, and thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you. This is really fun. There's a reason the Green Bay Packers and the San Francisco 49ers are two of the few NFL franchises to have a standalone Hall of Fame or museum inside their stadium. They're two NFL teams with long histories, lots of championships, and some of the game's most excellent players and coaches. I profiled Vince Lombardi after speaking to Justine with the Packers Hall of Fame back in Episode 2. This time for our overtime segment, I'll be talking about Bill Walsh, the 49ers' legendary head coach and general manager whose legacy lives on today. William Ernest Walsh was born on November 30, 1931 in Los Angeles. Bill played collegiately at the College of San Mateo and San Jose State and then began coaching right after his college career ended, starting off in the high school ranks. Fellow NFL Hall of Famer Marv Levy hired Bill to be an assistant at Cal. Bill stayed in Berkeley for three seasons and then was an assistant at Stanford for three more. His pro coaching career began as an offensive backs coach for the AFL's Oakland Raiders in 1966. Then, Paul Brown, the iconic head coach, hired Bill to be an offensive assistant for his new Cincinnati Bengals franchise. Bill coached Bengals wide receivers and quarterbacks from 1968 to 1975. Bill was then passed over for the head coaching role of the Bengals when Brown retired. He considered leaving football, but was then hired as the Chargers offensive coordinator, working with Hall of Fame quarterback Dan Fouts for one season before being hired to be the head coach at Stanford University, a role Bill held for two years. Bill Walsh was hired by the 49ers in 1979 at the age of 47 as both head coach and general manager. The team began a steady climb, from 2-14 in Bill's first season to 6-10 in the next, and then 13-3 Super Bowl champions in 1981, defeating the Bengals in Super Bowl 16. Bill was named AP NFL Coach of the Year for his work in 1981. Coaching fellow Hall of Famers and NFL legends Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, and Ronnie Lott, Bill's 10-season coaching career is one of the greatest of all time. 102 wins, 63 losses, and one tie. The Niners won six division titles, three NFC championships, and three Super Bowls. 
making them the team of the 80s. Bill Walsh was an outstanding offensive mind and developed the West Coast offense we so often see today. Short, precise passes used to control the clock. Definitely one of Bill's three most lasting legacies. That second legacy is Bill's coaching universe Beth referenced in the 49ers Museum show so well. George Seifert, Mike Holmgren, and the late Dennis Green all coached under Walsh, and the coaching trees branching off from their careers add to Bill's legacy. And the third piece of that legacy is the Bill Walsh Diversity Coaching Fellowship. In use today by all 32 teams and first conceived by Bill in 1987, current and former NFL head coaches such as Marvin Lewis, Mike Tomlin, and Lovey Smith have participated as training camp interns where they gained valuable experience. Bill worked in TV and as head coach of Stanford after leaving the 49ers, although he came back to resume general manager duties in 1999 and 2000. Bill was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1993. He passed away from leukemia in 2007. What an amazing leader and mentor Bill was to so many. As Beth said, you can find the 49ers Museum online at levistadium.com museums and in person at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. Look in this episode's show notes for the museum's website, plus a link to the long-form articles I referenced. I appreciate Beth taking time to chat about the 49ers Museum. I hope you enjoyed episode 14 of Hallowed Ground, the Sports Museum podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, check out our other ones. You'll find conversations with museums ranging from the Shoeless Joe Jackson Museum to the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame to the Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame. There's something for everybody. I'll see you next time, sports fans.